Hello and welcome to the RochdaleAFC.com podcast. My name is Dean, aka At the Peak, and joined once again by Chaff. Chaff, how are you, bud? Yeah, not too bad, thank you, mate. Good stuff. We've also got Ryan once again. Ryan, how have you been the last few weeks? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. How have you been? Yeah, not too bad. Um, obviously, uh, excited about the news of the return of the Premier League. We're going to be chatting about that um, for the next few minutes and and maybe what that might mean for Dale down the line. Um, Ryan, obviously, I can see there you've got your uh, you've got your Premier League shirt on. I'm not going to reveal which team it is, as uh, it might upset Chaff a little bit. But obviously, the news is that the the league will be back in a couple of weeks. How excited are you for that? Um, and do you think it's the right decision to bring it back, or maybe do you think um, maybe do you think it's not quite safe enough yet, and they're trying to push it through just to to make sure the season gets done? Um, I suppose to the first question, obviously excited. Um, I've been watching the Bundesliga, and I've been really impressed actually with the games, and and I think I've liked it because you you sort of concentrate on the football a bit more. Um, but yeah, really excited for the Premier League to come back. Um, reasons why, me personally, I think a decision should have been made a month or two ago, and I, I do think the season should have ended. And I think the priority should have then been focusing on next season because starting again in a couple of weeks, we don't know when next season's going to start now. But that being said, it's a welcome distraction from what's going on. And yeah, hope be well received by me, and I'm sure millions of others. Yeah, that's the thing. I know people have spoken about it giving a bit of a morale boost to the nation. Chaff, do you think that's an important thing right now? Um, I know, obviously, looking at the league table, it looks like the title race was over anyway, but there's still things to sort out, isn't there? And it's, it's going to be difficult for leagues to, to really confirm what's going to happen if they don't finish the season. So do you think that's played some part in the Premier League's decision to, to push through a return? Uh, yeah, it probably has. Uh, I think money's... Um, an even bigger sort of thought process behind it because we're not going to come to that same conclusion I don't think in the lower leagues um, but yeah I'm excited for the Premier League to be back um, like Ryan said it's a distraction from what we've got going on uh, it's, it is a morale boost um, I've not been overly impressed with Premier League football for a couple of years now um, for various reasons I think I'm probably just outgrowing it Um but that said, having not had it, you don't know what you've got till it's gone sort of thing. And I've, I've missed it a great deal. I, like Ryan, I've been watching the Bundesliga and I've been impressed with it. Um, I know a lot of people have said that it's basically sort of reaffirmed their beliefs that football's nothing without fans. But I've actually enjoyed watching the, the football uh, and not being distracted by things going on in the crowd, songs being sung. Um, so yeah I'm excited to see what the standard's going to be like when it comes back uh, and how it's going to sort of affect teams below us as well and whether it's uh, whether it, it shows that we can kickstart something Yeah Ryan a lot has been made about um, the difference between these games behind closed doors I know some teams claim that they're sort of more raucous fans being missing for those Bundesliga games has made a difference um, but in terms of if, if it was to happen in League One and we were to be watching Dale in this way how would you feel about it I mean I was thinking about it before and given how close we are to the relegation zone there's a there's a possibility if we came back and played behind closed doors that we could have another game like maybe like the Charlton one a few years ago that we've talked about 
just how strange an experience would it be to watch in a game with, to watch a game from home with with that much importance lying on it? Yeah, obviously it'd be strange, and I wouldn't like it like many others. But um, I think one thing we've seen in the Bundesliga is you know the home advantage is completely out the window now. I think each time there's around the games is like maybe two home wins throughout the weekend and things. So um, I think what you're seeing is the technical teams are doing better than perhaps the non-technical side. So I think it actually might help us. And I think we might start picking up a few more points at home. Um, we'll be able to pass it backwards without 150, 200 boos ringing round. And um, yeah, it'll be strange, but I actually, I don't think it'd be the worst thing for, for us as a, as a team and as a football, obviously finances aside, I think on the pitch it, it might help somewhat. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from there. Um, I do think that there are other teams that it would affect more than us because our atmosphere at home isn't especially great. But yeah, as a supporter, the the thought of having to sit at home and watch a game like a massive relegation six-pointer, of, of which we would probably have a few left, um, especially that Tranmere game, it doesn't quite sit sit well with me, um, but I understand that the need is perhaps to get the season over. But Chaff, you mentioned there yourself a few minutes ago about the uh, the money situation. Could it be that that if League One were to come back, as so many uh, of the clubs do, I think six of them are, have formed a little alliance and are trying to get the the games being played again. Um, could it be that it would really really mean clubs like ourselves would suffer massively financially without fans getting through the gates and players having to be brought back off furlough and, and staff having to be paid again? You'd imagine so, wouldn't you? Uh, only the directors can tell you the, the ins and outs of it, but playing in, it, it doesn't take a scientist to work out that we're not going to be better off financially if we're playing in front of more crowds. So myself personally, as a, a fan of one particular club, um, I wouldn't want to start the season in front of no crowds if it was going to mean our finances were going to take a hit. Uh, obviously, it depends what the finance situation is and whether um, the the higher leagues would contribute or whether the EFL would contribute, etc. So, yeah, you wouldn't ideally want to, to play games in front of no crowds if it was going to have a, an adverse effect on your finances, which I think you probably would. And how would you finish the season if that was to be the case um, in terms of placements? Because there's been a lot of different suggestions. I know obviously Tranmere's chairman has made a sort of weighted points per game suggestion that, that leaves in margin for error and sees more teams coming up and going than going down and things like that. But it's going to be difficult to sort out if you don't play the rest of the season and, and teams are going to be upset. So how would you personally like to see the, the league table... Um, calculated well I think there's there's, not, there's never going to be a way that suits everybody because not a lot of clubs want to carry on by the sounds of it um, and uh, the higher power clubs of our league do want to carry on because um, it's probably not going to affect them financially as it would to lower league teams so myself personally I'd take a similar sort of stance as to what league to have done I'd go off a points per game basis but I would absolutely include relegation and promotion in that as well. Um, it might seem unfair on some teams, but the whole situation is going to—it's it's going to feel unfair on a lot of people anyway. Um, I don't think you can risk 
disjoint in the format of the league by saying certain teams are going to get promoted but nobody's going to get relegated. Uh, um, so, yeah, for me, it'd be a points per game basis with the usual amount of promotions, usual amount of relegations, and I'd possibly not even play the playoffs. Um, I don't think you need to play the playoffs. I think it's expendable. Um, you just have the highest placed team go up in that case. Uh, I've thought that for quite a while. What about you, Rai? I'll be honest, I was looking at uh, Mark Palios's, um suggestions before and I can see some merit in them, if I'm being honest, because I feel like it would be really harsh to relegate Tranmere um, from where they are in the table. But then for Southend and Bolton to stay up in that circumstance would be completely unfair. But like Chaff, I also agree that um, we can't have unweighted divisions with more teams in and odd teams. I think that'll just... I think that'll just take ages to sort out and look really bad on the league. So, where do you stand on it? How would you um, finish the season if there are to be no more games played? Um, similar to Chaff, where I'd do the unweighted points per game. Um, three teams relegated from our league. Yeah, you can say it's unfair on Tranmere. Um, but then at the same time, there are, what is it, 20 other clubs who've, who've played the same amount of games and done better than them so far so yeah you can say they're in good form before this um, but when they come back form goes out of the window they had a good January signed some cracking players but yeah, it's one of those things it's like Jeff said it's not going to be fair on everybody um, you can't relegate Southend and Bolton without relegating one more for me it's just regardless of how far behind they are you know, it's, it's just completely unfair. I think I'd do promotion teams go up, I'd play the playoffs, um, or I'd ask, or I'd put it to a vote and ask them, you either do top place goes up or you can play them. Um, I think the playoff teams seem to be the ones that want to play on. Um, so I'm sure they'd be happy doing that. But yeah, I'd, I'd make it simple points per game, up, down, play the playoffs. Perhaps one idea would be to, to steal something else from Germany and go with the promotion-relegation sort of playoff where Tranmere play whoever happened to be third in League 2. I can't say that I've looked at the League 2 table in the last few days, so I'm not like 100% sure who that is, but that might be an idea. At least, I just feel it would be so unfair to send Tranmere down without giving them the opportunity to stay up, and I feel like Southend and Bolton are so far away that um, it'd be fair to, to send them down. Whereas, I think if we were in the position where Tranmere are now, I think we'd be absolutely livid if we were sent down without being given the opportunity to, to sort of scramble out in any way, even if it is through a playoff. I feel like sending a team down is... Um, I feel like that's a little bit more unfair than preventing the team from getting promotion in some way. I'm not really sure why that is, but that's just the way that I'm looking at it. Um, so once this is all settled, something that people have, have been discussing is how the transfer market's going to look um, in the summer. Obviously, there's... there's over a thousand players out of contract, I believe I read before um, next month. So, Chaff, how do you think that's going to affect the market? Do you think there's going to be a lot of teams that are looking to offload pretty much every player that that's out of contract? Do you think we'll be seeing a lot of players being offered reduced terms, and and do you think it will be easier for those like bigger clubs, especially, um, to come and cherry pick players from the from the less financially strong teams in the lower leagues? Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of. Uh players released um, I think clubs it's hard isn't it because 
nobody's been, ever been in this situation before, but I would imagine you've, you've seen the likes of Wickham come out this week and saying that they're going to have to either release everybody or they're going to have to offer half of the, half wages to what players were on. I think it's going to stop agents from haggling so much. I think players are going to want to security of uh, concrete offers, whether it's on the same money as they were on or not. I think it's going to be a very peculiar transfer window, I think. Um, we're going to see it ourselves. Um, we've got quite a few players out of contract. There's no guarantee in any of them will be, give, will be offered a new contract, um, given the, the status of uh, furloughing and trying to save money. So, Straight times, I can't even begin to, to think how it might affect us. I think potentially, if we come in with an offer for somebody that we like the look of, I think we may probably stand a little bit of a better chance than we ordinarily would because I don't think players are going to want to risk holding out for maybe that extra two, three, four hundred quid that they might have got from a, another club. They'll just want some sort of security, I think, maybe. Yeah, Ryan, would you agree with that? I mean, it, it feels like, on one hand, we're going to struggle to keep hold of players because um, th- there's going to be a better opportunity elsewhere, you would think. But at the same time, um, every club's in the same position, it feels like, and it feels like there's going to be a lot of players available. Are we going to be able to maybe sneak in and get some players that, in normal circumstances, we maybe wouldn't be able to, do you think? Yeah, it's a tough one. I think we might start to see players um, perhaps like Chaff said not hold out for the extra 100, 200 quid a week or whatever it might be um, players might be quicker to, to be snapped up we've, we've heard stories before the last few summers where players have we've been in for a player at the end of June and we've not signed them until sort of the end of August because we've been holding out so it'll stop that um, it'll just be strange in general because who knows how long it's going to go on for because like I said earlier we don't know when next season's going to be if next season ends up being October does that mean you know there's a transfer window between July and October which would be a little bit mental but um, yeah I think it's a tough one because it it could go either way it could either really help us or it can massively hinder us and players might might actually start going for money more than they, they actually already are in which we'd probably be in a bit of trouble but um yeah, straight. I think you'll see a lot of unbalance at the start of next season. I think some clubs will have massive squads because they'll have, they'll have really taken advantage of players being free. And then you'll probably see a couple of teams towards the bottom who, who have tiny squads because we've just not been able to compete. But it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think there's definitely going to we're going to see more of a gap um, open up, particularly in our league, where I think it probably is the biggest difference between the top teams and the. And the uh, bottom teams in our league because obviously you've got clubs like Sunderland and then clubs like Accrington in the same division and uh, the situation is obviously going to affect those two clubs very differently um, I think the one player that everyone's sort of worried about us losing uh, in particular is Hendo uh, I know we spoke about him a few times already but Chaff if you're Hendo in this situation what are you thinking are you thinking maybe this is an opportunity to go and get one big pay packet elsewhere at a club that can afford to cherry pick me or are you thinking maybe get an extra year out of Dale and um, have that security that he's had for so long. He's, he's spoken, of course, about wanting to finish his career at Dale before, but if that was the case, it feels like he would have signed another contract by now. So 
Um, where where would you stand if you were Hendo? What do you think his thought process will be at this stage? Um, it's difficult to, to say, isn't it? I mean, Henderson's a little bit different to quite a few players in that he's got a second business outside of the game of football. Um, and he does very well off it as well. Um, it's it's enough to see for him to have one career, um, let alone two. So I don't think he's in any position where he would necessarily be desperate for one extra payday. Um, but who knows, he's a very ambitious guy, isn't he? Um, so I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know where he'd go. Me, personally, you've built sort of a legacy here. You're so close to breaking the record for the to being the, the club's all-time leading goal scorer. Is it worth going to the Salfords of this world for one year um, when money's not horrendous for him, when he's got such a big business outside of the game of football with Herbalife? Yeah, and Rai, what do you think about maybe this, is it a similar situation for Camps? Will he maybe see this as an opportunity to, to progress up the divisions if there's room for him in a squad elsewhere? Or do you think maybe, again, it's a case of the security offered to him by the club that he's come through? Um, it's a tough one for, for us to really say, isn't it? But I, I think if I was looking at it in his situation now, I think I'd be going for stability because no one knows what football's going to look like in six or 12 months. Um, so if there's a deal on the table for him, I'd probably take it unless he knows something we don't and there's, there's offers from elsewhere. But um, I think at his age as well, I'd, I'd want to be playing football every week which is guaranteed to do with us for as long as he wants to stay so it's a tough one really but I'd certainly err on the side of caution and go for the stability if he signed a contract it's not saying that he doesn't have to leave if an offer comes in um, you know, if they come in with some money for us but yeah I'd, I'd want something if I was out of contract I'd want something sorted at ASAP because like I said we don't know what's going to happen Yeah we've touched on a couple of players there that are Perhaps the two that fans will really be hoping will stay out of the release list. I know we we spoke through the release list, um, all the players that are out of contract and what our own sort of feelings are towards those players uh, a few weeks ago. But I was just hoping to get your thoughts on the players that we didn't touch on um, there that, that are still contracted for another year. Um, starting in defence with with Owen O'Connell, who we've we've waxed lyrical um, a few times on this podcast before, but. Um, Right, the situation with O'Connell is surely that he's going to continue to be our standout player in defence, isn't it? I mean, I can't see any situation where he leaves the club this summer, certainly not of our volition anyway. No, no you'd certainly hope so. He, he seems happy um, at the football club, which is a positive, I think. Um, yeah, you certainly don't want to lose him. And if, if you do, you want it to be for some... It'd have to be an incredible offer. Um, but, yeah, I certainly hope he stays around and, and maybe even signs, an, well, hopefully, signs an extension at some point as well because he's been, he's been a rock and he's been the one real constant this season who's consistently performed at a really high level for us. Yeah, Chaff, uh, I will ask for your thoughts on O'Connell as well, but also... Um, one of his defensive partners in Jim McNulty. He's 35 now, uh, Jim, and he's coming for criticism at times, hasn't he, from some sections of the support. But 
do you think it's great to have Jim around? I mean, he seems like a really good character in the dressing room as well. So, would you be looking to keep hold of him for a little bit longer as well? Uh, I don't know because you've got, as well as Jim McNulty, you've got Paul McShane, haven't you? Who's also contracted. So, is Jim McNulty going to get in ahead of Paul McShane and Owen O'Connor when both are fit? I don't think he probably is. But can McShane stay fit and play? the amount of games that he's required to for a full season he probably can't so you do need somebody who can step in um, Jim would probably suit that role down to the ground I've never been his, his biggest fan if I'm honest I think there's always a mistake in McNulty um, but this season he's done quite well um, for the majority of it uh, at 35 years old um, I wouldn't be offering him a new deal but He's contracted into, so we'll probably get one more season out of him, and it'll probably be as a as a backup as to when McShane can't play. And what about O'Connell? I mean, there's there's surely no issue there, is it? Is there? He's he's clearly one of our better players, and hopefully, as Rice says, would, he'll be around. I'd, I'd offer him a deal until whenever he wants. Yeah. Um, Rye, I'll come to you then as well with those two other centre halves. Uh, McNulty and McShane, obviously, uh, both sort of heading towards the end of the career. But do you think they're both good players to have around, or would you maybe look into move on McShane? He's he's had fitness issues as Chaff put on there, or or maybe McNulty who who hasn't been able to get as much game time this season when those two have been fit. Yeah, so it's a tough one with a pair, and I think I'd be looking to keep them both certainly for this year. Um, McShane will offer. Some, everything on my training pitch you'd imagine I think it'll, it'll show a level of professionalism that we might not have seen before um, given the career he's had and then McNulty he seems to just have a brilliant relationship with everybody at the football club from the youth team squad to the staff around the club the fans um, I'd certainly be looking to keep him and I think we don't know but it looks as though he's, he's keen on continuing within football so who knows what's going to happen when his, his football career comes to an end because he, he might stay around in a, in a coaching capacity like, like BBM did under Hill maybe um, I'd certainly be keen for that to happen because he seems like a, a really good guy and yeah I, I'd, I'd keep them both certainly for this year at least and behind those three in the sticks um, he's obviously not been the first choice this season but I believe he was signed with, with a view to becoming the first choice, perhaps in the long term. But, Chaff, what about Jay Lynch? How, how have you uh, felt about his performances so far? Because I'll be honest, I'm not completely sold that he's the long-term answer to Sanchez when he goes. Is anybody going to be the long-term answer to Sanchez? Because the guy's a, an online Premier League goalkeeper. Um, I think Jay Lynch has done has done well when he's come in. I saw him have an absolutely brilliant game in the Checker Trade Trophy against Bolton. But I've also seen him make, well, not make saves that he probably should have done in league games. Um, maybe a lack of height uh, will hinder him. Um, it's a big jump from non-league football to, to League One football. Um, my gut feeling says that we will try and bring in somebody on loan as a number one goalkeeper and have Lynch as a, as a number two still. But they do seem to rate very highly Brad Wade, so maybe that won't be the case. 
Yeah, Ryan, obviously we've not seen much of, of Wade yet, but as Chaff says there, he is clearly highly rated by the club to have been offered uh, such a long deal as a youngster without having made an appearance for the in the league. Um, but what about Lynch? Um, how have you felt about him so far? I'll be honest, I think he's a solid keeper, but I have noticed that clubs have come to us and definitely targeted his lack of height by putting balls into the six-yard box, and I feel like it's very, very noticeable to go from someone who's as commanding as Sanchez to, to someone who is nowhere near as commanding in Lynch. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. With with Wade, um, yeah, it's highly, you know, highly thought of from everyone at the football club. And I think I looked on Twitter from a couple of his loan um, games and, and when they announced that he was leaving um, his loan club, but they were saying nothing but, but good things about him. So hopefully he's... he's one for the future. Um, Lynch, I think he's done well. But I think he's a backup. I don't see him as number one. I think, like Chaff said, his height is a is an issue, not only from crosses, but there's been a couple of goals that I've gone in the sort of looped over him, perhaps gone in the top corner, um, that look good, but you'd imagine someone like Sanchez saves him. Um, so, it's always going to be difficult, you know, whoever it is at this level. Sanchez has probably been one of the better goalkeepers in the league. Um, so to lose him, you're always going to struggle to replace. But hopefully Wade is the answer. Um, I don't see Leech, uh, Lynch as that, but I do think he's a, he's a very good player to have. And I'd say, um, looking at this list, Chaff, that our, our strongest area... Um, is in central midfield. I think I've said that all season and I, I do believe that even if Camps was to leave this summer, we're quite well stopped there. Uh, just looking at the list now, we've got Oli Rathbone, Aaron Morley, Jimmy Ryan and Matty Lund all under contract. Now that's clearly the strongest area in the squad in terms of depth, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Aaron Morley has got many, many years of uh, professional football ahead of him at probably a higher level than what we are. Um, he's been superb all season Ollie Rathbone is just 100% energy all the time uh, offers something different to what Morley does um, can he stay fit all season because he does pick up niggling injuries Jimmy Ryan I think has got better throughout the season um, started off a little bit shaky but from probably December onwards has been one of our better midfielders Um and again, offers he offers a little bit different to the other two, and he's got a lot of experience behind him as well. And Matt Lund, we all know what Matt Lund's capable of if he can stay fit. I think we've got the centre of midfield. I think he's pretty much sorted. Um, even if Camps did go, like you say, um, it wouldn't be an area that we would be rushing out to strengthen if Camps decided uh, he wanted a fresh challenge. Yeah, Ryan, would you agree with that? I mean, obviously any team would miss a player of Camps' um, ability. I don't think any of us are saying otherwise, but um, in terms of backup and, and players to step in, that's a really good mix of midfielders, isn't it? Like Chaff sort of touched on there, they've all got different qualities, but they're all very much capable of, of doing a really good job for us. Yeah, they're all, they're all good players. I think if Camps was to go... I would certainly be looking to replace him, even though we're pretty well stocked. I think you'd miss the goals. Um, I know Rathbone's popped up with a couple and, and Lund would pop up with a couple, but um, I don't see them as that attacking midfielder that 
that camps is and has been. Um, but yeah, we, we, we're well stocked in midfield. Um, all four of those that you mentioned are, are very good League One players. Um, and I'd, I'd keep them all for as long as we possibly can. Um, but yeah, I think we'd miss for goals, but yeah, you, you can't complain with that area of the pitch for us, I don't think. And what about maybe some of the players that don't have as defined a role in the squad? Um, the other three on the list here that we still have contracted for next season, Stephen Dooley, Matt Doan and Jimmy Keohane. Um Ryan, do you think these players are players that maybe you need to fill out a few backup positions in the squad or do you, do you see any of those sort of nailing down a first team place next season? I don't see, I certainly don't see Keohane or Matt Doan ever being a first team regular in our team again. Um, I think, but I do think they're good options to have. Um, Doan is obviously slowing down a little bit now, but he's still got that experience and he's shown in a couple of his cameos this season that he's still got something to offer albeit not as consistently as he has done for us in the past. Keohane, again, just a solid professional, nothing special, but um, he's had a couple of really good performances for us. Um, I thought he was our best player at Old Trafford. Um, he obviously missed a penalty, but I thought it was exceptional that night. Um, Dooley is one that, on his day, is a match winner. He's a bit like Mc- Donald McDermott in that, in He's very inconsistent, but he can come up with a little piece of brilliance that we've not got another player on pitch to come up with, whether it's a turn or whether it's a little cute pass um, or a bit of clever movement. I think he's got something. He just need, he needs to push on now. If he doesn't push on next season, I don't think he's got a future in certainly League One football over here. Um, he, he needs to really push on, but he's got something about him and I just want to see it come out of him, to be honest, because he's got real bags of skill. Yeah, Chaff, it's sort of a strange situation with Dewey and with the other two players that I've mentioned there, isn't it? Where, like Ryan says, at times he looks like he's capable of changing a game on its head, but then there are other games when you forget that he's playing and he gets subbed off after 70 minutes and you're sort of scratching your head saying, well, how's he getting in the team? Yeah, Dool is a strange one for me. When he when it was announced that he'd signed a new contract, um, I was a little bit like, I, I'm not sure what what people have seen for that to be good news. Um, what's he played? He must have played about 50 games for us, and I think he's probably played. I think he's probably had maybe four or five standout games. It just isn't consistent. It, it, it's it's not. That's not enough for me. I don't think he excels at one thing either. Um, he's obviously decent on the ball when he gets into a position, but he very rarely gets into a position to be able to, to utilise it. Um, I just don't think we've seen enough of, enough from him to warrant him potentially pushing for a starting place. Um, with regards to Matt Doan, um, since coming back, he's done very, very little for me. Um, I know Hill played him out of position at left back, uh, which was a mistake. But since then, I don't think he's done anything either. I don't think it was worth a new deal when BBM gave him one last summer. Um, and I'd be very surprised if he's if he plays that many games next season. Uh, and Jimmy Keohane is Keohane's probably 
the one who will probably offer the most out of those two in that he can fill in in several different positions as a backup. Um, I've no real issue with Keogh being at the club because um, he, he he does he's, he's, he offers right back cover, he offers centre back cover, he can play in the centre midfield. Um, but yeah, I don't expect any of them to really be pushing for a starting place uh, come well whenever it is we start next season. Yeah, touching on that, um, something we were discussing before is uh, when football is back and we're, we're able to go to games again. What would be the one game that you'd be looking forward to the most? If you could pick any game for for the return of fans back at football, any fixture, Chaff, what would you be what would you be picking for Dale? There's only, there's only one answer. It's Blackpool away. <laughs> it's everything about it. It's, just, it's the best away day of the lot. We've missed it this season with the COVID nineteen coming in just in time for that. And yeah, it's got to be Blackpool there for me. Ryan, what about yourself? Which game would you go for? From a purely selfish point of view, it'd be Bristol Rovers away. Um, I've got my sister lives down there, and I think I've had a couple of years when we've got games down there. My night out's brilliant. Um, so down there, sun out, warm weather, that'd be perfect for me. Yeah, a couple of good away ones there. A little bit of me would sort of want a home game just because I miss uh, Scotland and. I've missed going down to the game with my dad and what have you, but um, I think if I could pick any, it'd have to be Sunderland away for me. Uh, obviously, I mentioned before that I went up to uni there and I've got a lot of friends around there, so really enjoyed it when we played them on a Saturday a couple of years ago. It was really disappointing for me that it was a, a midweek game this time around, so hopefully, uh, with a bit of luck, we'll be going there again next season. I'm really looking forward to that, if and when it comes around. Um, so the biggest news out of the club in the last uh, few days, the last week or so, has been um, the situation with the gold bond and the changes that have happened to that. Um, Chaff, you, you've been a, a gold bond agent for some time. Do you want to talk us through um, what the decision has been from the club and, and maybe the effects that it will have going forward? Yeah, well, the decision was made um, to stop the doorstep collections, um, thus rendering agents redundant. Um, it was suspended back in March um, until further notice, um, given the the lack, well, we don't want to be handling cash, for example. Um, and, yeah, we've not heard a, a lot since then, until last week, when it was announced that the uh, the doorstep collection was going to be going to be scrapped. Um, we received letters, um, albeit after the um, announcement was on social media. Um, but, I'm not 100% surprised by it. Um, I think it's been muted for a while. Um, when the gold bond or Dale Lotto got rebranded um, to comply with gambling laws, etc., um, the writing seemed to be on the wall at, at, at that point. We just didn't know when. The pandemic has come along and it's massively affected the gold bond in that we can't go out and collect. Um, so maybe rightly, maybe wrongly, the club have decided to, to scrap it and try and get uh, well members and agents focused on um, signing up by direct debit so that the money still comes in. Um, these, there's not a lot of people that switched from direct from cash collection to direct debit when we were 
um, trying to to promote it. Um, so I don't know what the impact will be now um, that the doorstep ch- uh, collections have have stopped. Whether more people will be taking up taking it up, I don't know. Um, it's disappointing um, for me. Um, I've done it for nearly nearly twenty years. Um, Richard Wilde that, um, that got me my, my first round when he was the commercial manager. Um, both rounds that, I, that I've ever done have been around Milnrow. Off well, all three rounds I've, that I've done have been around Milnrow. Uh, but built up quite a rapport with uh, customers uh, over the years. Um, so and it's helped financially for myself because um, it, it it entitles me to a heavily discounted season ticket. So now I've got to become one of the uh, one of the common people and, and pay a full price for it now. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a sad end, but not a hundred percent surprising end. Yeah, Ryan. Obviously, we, we heard stories back in the day, didn't we, about how much the the club made from the gold bond? It seemed as if um, it was basically keeping the club afloat for a few years. Do you think it's maybe just a, a time a sign that the times are changing? Maybe uh, I know this is something that other clubs have done recently in terms of scaling down the lotto or trying to move it to. Um, one where they don't have to use agents or whatever. Um, do you think maybe it's the right decision from the club, or do you think they've been a little bit hasty here, especially as Chaff says, uh, quite a lot of people aren't making the switch to direct debit? Yeah, to be honest, I'm 100% behind the club with this. I think it's absolutely the right decision. Um, I did it for about a year. Um, liked elements of it. Hated other bits of it, like the November, January, December rounds were, were horrible. But um, times are changing now, and you don't get many doorstep salesmen and, and things anymore. So, you know, I feel for people like Chaffee who've done it for a long time, and, and probably a lot of his, his round are probably classed as friends now. But yeah, for, for a start, I think if you're a season ticket holder and you're not signed up to a direct debit, I'd be asking why not. Um, I know people's financial situations are different, but um, it's, what is it, £1, £2 a week or something? Um, But yeah, I think it's the right thing to do for me, um, just to modernise the club a little bit. I, I do think the one shame is that I know from my experience doing it, a lot of the people on the doorstep collections weren't necessarily fans of a football club and just did it for, well, I don't know why really, to, to try and win some money. So we'll lose that element because why would they sign up to the direct debit? Um, but at the same time, I do think every fan should should be part of it and should, uh, should be part of a direct debit. Yeah, I think it was a way not only of sort of gathering financial support from... Um, people in the area that aren't necessarily fans, but also getting the, the word out of the club to those to those people. And um, I think it's slightly... It is a slight shame that, that it's come to this, but like like you've both sort of alluded to there, I think it was maybe a matter of time, um, unfortunately. Like Chaff uh, and Ryan, I, I also shared a round with my dad for a little bit um, and it, it helped me to be able to, to go to games, um, to be able to afford a season ticket and to, to get the money from the commission, that which mostly paid to go to away games in the promotion season to be honest so I do think it's a shame that that opportunity will be taken away from some 
supporters who maybe would struggle to be able to get to games otherwise. But um, unfortunately, I think it is a, a, a sign of the times that, that maybe um, we're trying to modernise a little bit and, and move into the to the next generation. And and one thing that that a lot of clubs have done um, aside from us to to move into the next step, if you like, um, and try and maximise profits in different ways is move into new stadiums. Um, now it's something that has been mentioned sort of briefly over the years at Dale, but but never taken too seriously. I don't think in recent times. But Chaff, do you think maybe at some point in the future it's going to be inevitable that Dale move away from Scotland to sort of maximise those commercial opportunities in terms of you know um, conference facilities and things like that, which have really helped some of the other clubs at our, our level. I'm thinking in particular Shrewsbury, whose fans have mentioned um, the, the stadium movers as a way for them to progress? Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of all these new stadiums, but I also, I, I get why, why clubs do it, um, to maximise profit, use the stadium in a different way to what they've been able to use their old stadium. Um, will we be one of those clubs that do it? Probably in time, um, but I don't think there's, I don't think there'll be any rush for it. Um the initial cost of it would probably outweigh the the income to start with, and I don't know, it's a whole financial aspect um, of it. I, yeah, I don't know. We've we, we've got a ten thousand seat, just about well, not all seats, but we've got a ten thousand capacity stadium. We only ever fill three and a half thousand of it. Um, we've got different parts of the football club trying to maximise the, the commercial side of it and the, the corporate side of it, which we've done a lot more in recent years than we ever have done before. The likes of Francis Fielding uh, coming on board has helped that. Um, and if we can still do that at Scotland um, without the desperate need to move away, then why would you, why would you move away? But yeah, in time, probably at some point we will. Yeah, I don't think it's anything that's in the pipeline anytime soon, and I don't think it's anything that supporters would particularly want. Um, I know I certainly wouldn't, having been to grounds like Chesterfield and Shrewsbury, and not really enjoying my visits there as much. I'm not sure going to a, a ground like that would have the same effect for me on a weekly basis. But Ryan, it does seem to help um, certain clubs to increase their attendances in a way, and also with with there's plenty of sites available for Rochdale to build a new stadium and, and um, sort of take advantage of the new links in the town um, in terms of transport and, and business and things like that. Is it something that the club, in your opinion, should be perhaps looking at? Maybe not right now, but in the next 10 years, maybe? I think first, it, it fully depends on the, the success of a football club on the pitch. But it being, it being the back of my mind, should I be in a bit upper echelons of a club, I think. Um, somewhere a bit more accessible, maybe, because Scotland isn't, unless you drive, it's not the, the easiest to get to. If you're on the outs, say, Littlebrough, for example, or, um, I know me in Castleton, it's, I could walk there, but it, it'd be about an hour, maybe. But, yeah, I, to be honest, I, I, I really like the Shrewsbury ground, I really like Chesterfield ground, and I've enjoyed my visits there. Um Chesterfield in particular, I like where it's situated as well. I think you've got the Tesco just behind it and 
a couple of food outlets just bit just outside of it and you know I, I actually quite like them and I think Rochdale as we've got the best away end in the league in terms of a size and the fact that it's on the side but we get a lot of bad press about the state of it as well and um, you know the seats are multicolored in some parts different shades of blue and you know it, it even needs read it even needs modernizing just Scotland itself or move away because it is a little bit run down in most of the parts yeah um I think that's a little bit harsh I feel like for the size of the club I think the grounds are half decent Nick I do, I do think there are certain parts of it that like you say could do with maybe a lick of paint and a little update but I don't think it's in too bad shape and for me, I think those grounds like Shrewsbury and, and Chesterfield, whilst the facilities are there, I find them very generic and uh, quite boring, whereas I think Spotland still has quite a bit of character and I really enjoy some of the some of the sights that you see going down to the ground, if you like, and things like that. So it's not something that I would want for us to happen uh, to happen for us, but I think perhaps it's an inevitability the way that the, the lower leagues are going and I think, it, unfortunately, there might come a time when Pretty much every ground that we go to might look like Shrewsbury. Um, I think we're going to wrap it up there, guys. I, I, we did have a few more sort of things to touch on, but um, since we're running out of things to talk about on this podcast and, and a lack of uh, football news and games to report on, if you like, um, I think we'll save them for a rainy day. Uh, so all that's left for me to say then is, Chaff, thanks for joining me again, mate. No, thank you very much. And Ryan, thanks for uh, dialing in and having another chat with us. Oh, thanks again for having me. It's been uh, good to chat again. Cheers, guys. I'll speak to you next time.